0: All right, welcome to the Lift Big, Eat Big show number four. Today, we have myself as usual and the usual gang. We have Mona DeLacy, Commonwealth medalist, African champion, CrossFit Games athlete, just everything going on there in terms of athletic achievements. Then we have Cole Wolf, two times world's strongest man competitor as well, joining us on our call. Before we dive into everything, remember in the description or with on the website liftbigeatbig.com, there is the Lift-B-E-B-E Underground. The Underground has gives you access to every single training program written by myself, by Mona, by Calm, weightlifting, strongman, building muscle, getting stronger. All of that is part of that membership. You also get access to the private Discord community with all of us in there as well. And there's lots going on. Plus Mona's weightlifting course in there. So check that out. But today we're going to cover a few different topics. We're going to cover pregnancy training. So Mona's just gone through that too around training during, before, during, and after pregnancy, what you need to watch out for. Obviously, if anyone's been following along in the strength sports or just CrossFit world, Tia, Tia Tumi is currently pregnant and training all over YouTube. And then we're also going to cover the European Weightlifting Championships that are currently going. Um, I think Mona's going to start there. And then we're going to finish with the world's strongest man that is currently going on as secretive as they are, Colm has seen a lot of the leaked videos. So we're going to go down that road too. But uh, Mona, do you want to maybe start on this thing of, I guess, the misconceptions around pregnancy training? So I know you've been told a lot of different things. You've been told you can't lift more than 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. It seems to change depending on which doctor you go to. So did you follow that advice?
1: (laughs) Definitely not. Um, You know, I think a lot of the research that, you know, a lot of the doctors follow are very outdated when it comes to pregnancy training. Um, And to be honest, being an athlete, it's actually very tricky with pregnancy because if you go to someone who does follow the outdated research um, and tells you you can only lift, you know, 10 pounds, I mean, like we know, like that's obviously not true. And there are a lot of good uh, OBGYNs out there that will actually tell you Like my one actually said to me, you know, you can carry on doing what you're doing. Um, One of the main things that I did end up switching is obviously I went from not doing my Olympic lifting um, because with doing the snatches, obviously the bar might contact, um, you know, where I would basically be carrying my baby and where my belly was starting to grow. Um, So I had to just switch that up and I went to bodybuilding. I went to bodybuilding training and with my bodybuilding training in the beginning, I still made sure that, um, you know, I did what my body can. If I felt like I was getting a bit out of breath or a bit too tired, then I would listen to my body. And I think that's one of the most important things is being able to listen to your body. Um, and just, you know, you know, what's best for you, um, especially if you are female athlete. Um, and I mean, we made adjustments when it came to, when it came to, for example, when my belly grew bigger, um, I would then change things up. So I wouldn't do things like full squats. I would do, uh, squats on, on blocks or on boxes. Um, and you know, when my lower back started to feel a bit achy, I would go over to like things like sled pushes. Um, so there's a lot of changes and things that you can make. Um, and basically, like you said, James, like, there's there's just this big misconception, and also one thing I wanted to mention is there's no cookie-cutter program also for a pregnant woman. Um, like for example, in the beginning of my pregnancy, I had pregnancy sickness, I was nauseous and vomiting throughout the day for almost in the middle of my second trimester. So that also made things a bit more difficult for me. Um, and that is why, you know, if you look at someone like Tia um, who you know, she's going balls through the walls her training. She is not holding back. She even did the open. Um, she's even qualified for, you know, the semifinals. Um, so she's really, you know, still going really hard with the training, but also making sure that the baby is fine and following precautions. Um, and at the end of the day, that's the main thing following, um, you know, precautions, listening to your body and just, yeah you don't have to cut everything out just make adjustments but having a good doctor on your side really does help
0: yeah maybe we can dive into some of the the research behind pregnancy training as well so there's some interesting i guess findings within a lot of a lot of the literature obviously the general consensus is exercise is far more beneficial than not exercising when you're pregnant um there seems to be an association between mothers who are heavier uh it's more likely that your baby will also be overweight when they're born. So that, that's an interesting uh correlation there regarding, I guess, body composition and pregnancy. So exercise can help essentially uh reduce that. And then the same thing regarding these negative health um impacts. So being overweight or obese as a child obviously increases their chance fivefold of becoming obese as an adult. So if you're having an overweight baby because you are heavier because you're not exercising while pregnant, you're potentially doing your baby a disservice later in life too. So that's something interesting to to keep in mind. But when we're talking about actual exercise and how hard and how much you can do, it all, it all depends on how much you have been doing before pregnancy. That seems to be the common denominator between all of it. So if you are, say, light tier, and you're doing crazy CrossFit stuff, you know, preparing for games, training five, six times a week, sometimes double days, you can pretty well maintain that through pregnancy without any adverse effects on childbirth. Um, it's the problem becomes if you were say sedentary, and then you decided to take up a professional CrossFit athletes routine. Yes, you will run into problems, but you would run into problems, even if you weren't pregnant. So there's, uh, always something there, but it's, it's interesting enough for the general guidelines you're looking at anywhere from two to three times a week of exercise. Typically you want to do a combination of resistance training and light cardio, basically. Um, and it's light like cardio, the guidelines that are given are, are really light. I mean, we're talking like high intensity is maxing out at 160 beats per minute, which is very low for, it wouldn't even be considered high intensity outside of pregnancy, put it that way. So. You can get a lot done at low intensities, as long as exercising, walking, Yeah, uh, probably don't need to jog just cause you're adding the extra weight. You can get on a bike, whatever that is. So there's many things you can do there. Typically you want to lift at intensities, less than 70% of your one RM, um, just because your joints start to become loose as your tendons and ligaments become lax. So you don't want to, for example, start doing heavy snatches overhead and things like that. Um, typically you don't want to do static exercises like planks and things. You don't want to have that intra-abdominal pressure going on. Um, and avoid with that, you're going to avoid the Valsalva maneuver. So holding your breath, um, having that pressure down there. Um, other than that, it's really just being consistent, being regular, doing what you can, working around how you feel. Obviously, as Mona mentioned, she was vomiting. Okay. I guess we could say all through all three trimesters almost, um, (laughs) have struggling through those. So she couldn't do what she would normally do before she was pregnant in terms of exercise intensity and volume. So she had to back off and make modifications, which is fine. It's just as long as you're doing something, it's better than doing nothing. Um, other than that, I don't think there's much else that I need to cover. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add there, Mona, or if Colm had any question, further questions on, on anything going on.
2: I've got some questions. Yeah, go. So like yourself, self as a high level athlete, or say using Tia as an example, so people with already high workloads and you high level athletes, uh, for you, were any, like any PBs at all on the table while you're pregnant? So I know maybe like the Olympic lifts will be off, but did you approach your training trying to target like something you've neglected or like, is that even, is that a smart thing to do or a stupid thing to do? It's like, I was just curious.
1: Well, one thing that um, I was actually told by a pelvic floor PT is one thing that you should do is, for example, with the first trimester, you can almost do what you were doing before, but I would honestly not recommend you going all out because at the end of the day, um, you are going to be tired, um, especially in the first trimester when the hormones start uh, coming into play and just in general because now your body has to now feed a little baby um so I would definitely not recommend going for like any maxes or things like that but with regards to what you were saying if there was anything else I tackled while being pregnant um I definitely worked on a lot more of my like assistant exercises and things and like smaller muscle groups and I worked also a lot more on like things like my mobility um because I also know that you know even for women when you give birth um being mobile and being able to move your thoracic and your spine, um, because that's one of the things that get extremely tight, especially as your your belly grows. And every woman is obviously different. So if you are bigger and if you sit a lot, then obviously your back is going to be really stiff. So I found that like continuing with my my mobility work and doing a bit more than usual um, was definitely a very good idea. And then, like I said, what I ended up doing was like in the second and third trimester, I ended up just – going down quite a bit in my intensity and in my workload just to make sure that, um, you know, I'm also kind of treating it as, you know, almost like if I would, uh, peak for a competition. So I would basically do almost like yeah. a deload, getting into my, um, you know, my third and final trimester. Um, but yeah, when it comes to maxes and things, I would definitely just not recommend it. Um, but if a max, if a PB happens by accident and your body feels good, um, yeah, then that, that's great. But um, just to also state, I'm not a medical professional. A medical professional, <laughs> So um, always make sure, you know, ask your doctor before you go and do anything. Um, you know, like I said, make sure that you've got someone on your side that can guide you through the process. Um, also things, and not just an OBGYN, but like I said, pelvic floor PTs are also really good with helping throughout pregnancy. Um, and I got some good advice with that throughout my pregnancy as well.
0: How do you accidentally you,
2: um <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good question. But say maybe you do squats or whatever and you just feel great. Maybe you Is get some. New, new just get or something. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With them, um,
2: like with you following, you know, say yeah. before being pregnant, you'd be following a program, certain numbers to hit, whatever. How did you approach that once you became pregnant? Did you have did you just follow those general guidelines or did you still have a program and modify it how you felt on the day or did you just freestyle and purely go off how you're feeling
1: like, um, did you I... follow
2: any like what kind of stru- structure did you did you follow <laughs>
1: So I actually followed like what you were mentioning. Now I followed both kind of ways. I had a structured program, um, but definitely um, if I had a day where I would feel a bit more uncomfortable, if I would feel a bit more tired than usual, um, then I would definitely make some modifications. There were days that I just went into the gym, like James mentioned, because I was so sick. I would just go into the gym and I would just do two or three exercises and just you know, get some movement in, and I would even just go onto the treadmill, um, put it at an angle, um, you know, do, do some almost like resistant walks, um, and some sled pushes and things like that. And I ended up towards the end also doing a lot more, um, machine type exercises. So I started cutting out quite a bit of the like dumbbell work and things like that. But structure wise, like I said, I kind of switched over to almost full bodybuilding, um, and I would just follow, you know, if I did like between three and five days a week of training, um, I would have, you know, general like upper body days and lower body days um, and things like that. And, yeah, but but I find that having a program has always just been really good for me because when I have yeah. a program, going into the gym and having that structure is how I work best. Um, so that is something that I continue. And that is something that I felt like even if – I couldn't do a certain movement. There was many varieties um, or changes that I could make to, for example, still target that muscle group and just, you know, make sure that I go into the gym and, you know, make sure I'm healthy and walk out of there and feel energized instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to go into the gym to basically kill myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's Even if someone's thinking about this and wondering, you know, how they can, implement exercise while they're pregnant. I mean, even just if we, again, look at some of the data, just three sessions a week is enough to, to, I guess, improve favorable birth outcomes, then just moderate aerobic exercise three times a week can reduce your, your, the rate of cesarean births as well. Um, even just very light exercise. And when we're we'll talking very light exercise in some of these studies, it's literally like arm circles. Like that's how light we're talking like retirement home style exercises a few times a week, um, can reduce the odds of, of having a large newborn as well by, by a substantial amount. But again, we are not, uh, I don't know what, what the term is pregnancy doctors don't you have to have like, I don't know, we're not, we're not pregnancy doctors. So again, take our, take our sayings with a grain of salt, um, consult your medical professionals, but this is based on our experience and what a lot of the research is finding within the space, which is, which goes against a lot of what the, I guess, typical medical doctor may tell you while you're pregnant, um, giving you arbitrary guidelines of how much weight you can lift and how much exercise you can do. So uh, typically your intuition, uh, is better most of the time. Yes. But, um, do you, 100%, 100%. Any, do you have anything else to add, also, add to that? Mona? Yeah,
1: James, <laughs> I wanted, Yeah, I wanted to add also one of the things I also um, watched out for and um, obviously with now having the little one, um, you kind of forget um, what you did during your pregnancy, etc. But one thing we also um, really looked out for was making sure that when I do certain exercises that I don't cone. Um, And for those of you that Mm. don't know, basically Mm. what happens is like this ab separation that happens as your belly gets bigger. Um, with your pregnancy and they literally in the middle of your belly it looks like there's a cone coming out so there's certain movements um that we looked out for especially overhead movements so even things like your your pull downs or things like uh presses overhead and i mean i didn't do any pull-ups or uh, or anything like that but like if you do things like pull-ups um you know, I'd recommend you know adding a band and just making it a bit um, easier for yourself. That will also help you to then um, not cone and have you know put put even more pressure on your diastasis recti um, than what you would if yeah if you had to push through.
0: Yeah, there's some interesting examples too of elite athletes that have competed at the top level of competition while pregnant. Like Serena Williams is one of them. She won the Australian Open. Two weeks after finding out she was pregnant yeah, that's one of them it's another one uh kerry walsh jennings she won a third gold medal in beach volleyball at the london olympics while pregnant um another one Alyssa montano uh she had a, a very big baby bump ran the 800 meter in the u.s national track and field champ so these things are doable uh if, if you are a top level athlete maybe it's something you're good on you can see as we mentioned tia doing on youtube currently doing crazy crossfit qualification workouts and what would you say she, she ranked number one while pregnant
1: yeah i think she ranked number one in the open um in the world which wa- which was amazing i That's mean crazy. Crazy. Yeah, yeah yeah i know so she would definitely i think even without a doubt she would qualify for the crossfit games i actually watched one of her youtube videos um recently where she said if she had to qualify um the only person that would almost hold her back would be Shane, her husband. Um, (laughs) Because I think, you know, as an athlete, if you feel good um, and you're a competitor, you won't stand back for anything. Um, But having that good reminder of, you know, your husband or a professional or someone that can just tell you, okay, you know, now it's time, the belly is getting a bit bigger, Um, you know, just go a bit lighter. Maybe don't put that pressure on yourself because obviously with competing and stuff, it's fine if you do it maybe in the beginning of your pregnancy and you feel good and your doctor's given you um, the permission to do it. Um, but definitely later on, um, you know, things like adrenaline and, you know, you just put a lot of extra stress onto your body. So I would just maybe, um, if, especially if you're a professional athlete, maybe if you are more like an intermediate or a beginner level athlete and you don't really go heavy in your competitions and you don't get that extra stress maybe that would be okay but i would definitely not compete at like a top level in my second trimester for example
0: <laughs> yeah um we'll give you a break mona so you can keep feeding feeding me that but to finish that little segment this is not medical advice we're not medical doctors all that kind of stuff so you cannot sue us for whatever reason i think i've said you cannot sue us and every show so far about something before getting back to the podcast. I want to let you know that down in the description is a link to the lift, big, eat, big underground, and within that you get access to all our training programs, online courses, and into our private discord community, where all three of us are in there to help you with whatever it is, with your training regarding the programs. We have Mona, who's done all of the weightlifting cycles. We have Colm who's done the strongman off season and strongman competition programs. Then we have all the hallmark lift, big, eat big training programs, pump dragon flanks method, and many more. And I've also added muscle building specialization programs within that, and I continually to update and add training programs into our app. You also get access to Mona's weightlifting mastery online course, and you get to join these calls live in the audience where you can ask members only question and answers at the end of each episode. So if that sounds like you go down in the description, there's a link there to the Lift Big Underground, and that'll give you access to everything I just mentioned so we know it's a good show then so we'll go let's move on to world's strongest mancom obviously as you mentioned there have been some videos released but taken down because the dinosaurs running the show haven't figured out that there is such thing as social media (laughs) so so what's going on yeah
2: oh that's weird so they've had so they have the qualifiers right and then they have the finals today is their rest day so 30 total athletes they've all done the qualifiers now we've Mm -hmm. gone down to 10. They're all wrestling today, and then tomorrow, if they start the finals, which will be over two days as well. Um, and big, like big shout out to Matthew Rag. He is now New Zealand's first finalist in the modern era. Technically, oh, wow. like Alan Halberg, <laughs> when he did it back in the day, they just were finals; they didn't have qualifiers. But so yeah, uh, the first New Zealander. Um, seen a lot of different sites label him as Australian, which is quite frustrating. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> That's typical. Eh? Um, but man, he he smashed it and uh there's been a few like uh both tom's so you know how last time i was talking about that stone off they do yeah um so they've modified it again back when i did it every it started from like other than the guy who came last everyone else was in it and so potentially the person in fifth if they were amazing at stones could beat the person in second and go through now they just have um, well, it seems to change each year, but this year they had um, just second battling with third. And as mm-hmm. far as I know, uh, the results, I'm pretty sure. So the the um, person in second gets to start second. So let's say again, you and I were going James, you would yeah. start passing the stone over to me and you have to essentially do one more rep than me and I have to fail. So I still have an advantage because I'm in second. And as far as I can tell, just from quickly looking, I'm pretty sure everyone in second place did get through. So no one really got screwed um, by being in second and not getting through. But still, it's still not, like, in my opinion, I still don't don't like it at all, even though it just worked out well this year. Um, but a couple, like Brian Shaw, he, so the first place in your group, they go through to the uh, finals. And Brian Shaw didn't win his group this year, so he had to go into the stone off against Ranu he- uh, Heinler and they had a big battle in the stone off um, and Tom Stoltman also didn't win his group so he was there was another one some people were surprised about he had to do the stone off but no one's no one's going to beat him in the stone off to be realistic <laughs> um, so it's been a like for me I've kind of um, I mean because I was injured as well just kind of didn't watch too much as Strongman for the past two years I still followed it but not like super avidly Whereas this year, probably with the addition of Matt, um, I've really enjoyed looking at it, like looking it all up, watching the videos when I could. Um, But yeah, it's still frustrating as a fan, low live stream. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, so it's at Myrtle Beach in California, and there's like this kind of CCTV um, camera footage of the beach that you can, I guess the public can access so people were watching, like, them do the loading race on this CCTV footage. <laughs> on the security TV footage. <laughs> yeah. It is a cracker. Like, it's like, guys, come on. Um, <laughs> am I still, like, so I do think this, they've made some right moves. So how I, I was saying, again, last week, each group of the qualifiers used to do different events, which, yeah. again, is not fair when you go into the finals. This year, everyone did the same events, which is fantastic. But if you look at, say, now Brian Shaw, right, he had a huge battle in the stone off against Rano. Mm-hmm. He's had to do maybe, like, say, an extra four reps of a 200 kg stone. That's that's a big workload, you know, to then go into the finals compared to someone else who may have only had to do one rep. So yeah, from a fairness perspective, still don't think it's fair um, but it is what it is. It's, like I said, it's entertainment is a big part of it. It is made as a TV show first, um, and the they definitely get a lot of engagement off of the stone off. Um, from what I've heard, the casual viewers are quite a big fan of it. But it does mm. make me wonder: Does that mean in the future is every event just going to be a one-on-one like like? How <laughs> far, you know, if these people at the top, <laughs> if they only care about. Um, you know, viewing and whatnot for TV instead of, um, because to me, they're they're having everyone do the same events. All they need to do now is put everyone essentially in just one big group like CrossFit. So everyone's in one big group and your score carries over. So if you took away the stone off at the moment, I'm pretty, I, I'd have to check. I think Matt Rag was in like fourth or fifth overall out of the whole 30. Um, but instead, he's only actually competing with the other guys in his group. So, mm. yeah, it's a it's a funny one. And sometimes you'll get a situation where everyone in a group, let's say everyone in the group has just ridiculous, like can deadlift a thousand pounds, and then you have another group and their max, like the best deadlifter in the group is 400. Uh, so, let's just say 900 pounds. So, 100 pound difference. Mm. This nine hundred pound puller, he might win his group deadlift, because there's no other big deadlifters. When the guy who came last, well probably not last, but you know, fourth or something yeah. in this other group could have won that group. So I yeah, I would I think they're very close. They just need to swap that scorecard, but I I don't think they will. If anything, I think I mean I'm a bit skeptical, but I yeah, I feel like it could flip the other way and they <laughs> instead of just the stone off, they do like the log yeah, off and start doing all these other things.
0: So what does, um, what, what does like yeah, fourth and fifth place do and sixth place two with the stone off? Cause you mentioned two and rank two and three stoned off, right? So what do the other ones do? Do they yep. stone so off now, with the two hit ten? now
2: they, no, they're just gone. Oh, I think last year they may have, but, um, they're just. How many people are in now. the final? They don't bother 10, 10 on the final. Ten. Okay. So, so what you, so the yeah, fir- so two first, first in each group,
0: group automatic off or, or the first two.
2: Yep. Okay. Uh, first is automatic, and yeah. then second and third do the stone off to determine the second athlete to go through. Okay.
0: And that, but that is four total people. And then how do they determine the rest? Two.
2: Uh, two from each group. So there's five groups. And oh, then, okay. So okay. First, okay. Yeah. So the first guy's definitely up, and then the winner of the stone off is in. So that's two, and then times five, that's all 10 gotcha Um, so yeah it's a it definitely like brings in strategy as well because you'll see guys if you know by let's say you've got three events left and you know you're not going to be able to beat this guy to get into second position Mm. like why you know if me and you are going james and i know i'm gonna face you in the stone off whether you beat me by one point or you beat me by like seven points I might just hold my energy back and just try to save it for the stone off.
0: And just try and just try and maintain third position.
2: Yeah. Yeah, So that way I've got as much energy as I can to burst you on that stone off. And yeah, definitely try to maintain third. Um, But it happens quite a bit, quite a bit, especially when there's injuries um, because then if the other guys in the group are injured, you can pretty much, you know, hold third relatively comfortable if the other guys in your thing are injured. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting one. I still think that athletes get better every year. Like the athletes I'm always um, backing, you know, overall, they're they're ridiculously strong now, in really good shape, really fast. Um, But because of the competitiveness of it all and like how high level the athletes are, um, and because of the nature of the promoters wanting to um, get lots of views, a lot of the times, Uh, athletes get left out for people with like a bigger following. So for example, (laughs) remember when um, Larry Wills got invited? He got... uh, You know Larry Wills, right? Yep,
0: I know Larry Wills. He
2: got invited to the World Log Lift Champs um, I don't know, a few years ago now but that upset a lot of people. A lot of people could outlift him on the log but he got the invite because he's got the big following. Mm, Um, Took your eyes on it. So it's it's one of those things like at the same time he's bringing a lot of views to the sport so you know i personally i don't know it'll be interesting if they just um like i was saying last week i would be interested in see what it would be like if they just catered to the hardcore fans um and just invited the top athletes but who knows maybe then i'll just go under him maybe they do know a lot better than i do about promotion and whatnot <laughs>
1: Home, I wanted to ask you, like, it's quite weird, like, you know, with what you're saying now, uh, someone like him that brings in a lot of views, but yet they don't want to live stream it. Um, because I'm sure if they had to live stream it or have it all over social media, you know, during the events, um, they would get more eyes. Um, that's what you would think.
2: I would think that as well. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs> say, I know all of like what goes on behind the scenes, but from, What I hear, I just know they want to sell it as that TV package and the justification I saw like a couple of weeks back for not live streaming was that if they live stream, it would diminish that product that they then sell to the, um, like the TV companies. Personally, I don't think that would happen because I feel, I say myself, if there's a live stream, I would watch the live stream. I would consider myself a hardcore fan, right? So I'd watch the live stream. And then when it's on TV, I would watch it again. <laughs> Whereas the casual, like they're probably not going to watch the live stream. Doesn't matter, but they'll watch it at TV. Cause that's when they'll see it cause they don't really yeah. follow the sport. Right. That's how I see it. But like, if you think the hardcores are willing to watch this fucking like CC TV footage, <laughs> like they're definitely going to rewatch, uh, yeah. you know, an edited together package with the athlete interviews with the pre interviews, pre comp like um you know there's it's still a big tv package Mm. and um yeah like rogue rogue did it um the arnold's did it so who Mm. knows i it's it's a bit of a meme at this point every single year it's like where's the live stream everyone writes (laughs) in the comments of pretty much every word strongest man thing like where's the live stream Um, (laughs) but yeah don't know i don't know if it'll ever happen um they did actually this year they Attempted. So this is another example of what's wrong with this man, right? They, you know how there's 30 athletes, they get divided up into these different groups. Yeah. And this year they were going to announce the groups once everyone's actually at the event and they were going to live stream this and um, announce it all live. And I just completely fucked up. I think they <laughs> announced like the first two and it was like re- like horrendous quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it just, it just didn't work. So the effort, I think they just ended up announcing it on social media, but um, I don't know, like it. there's so many moving parts. So I, it is easy for me to sit here and criticize, but again, if they're making like lots of money off of it and they're able to sell it, I feel like they could, you know, do a few, a few different things. Um, the other thing I would actually be curious about, I don't think we'll ever know, but Say like you know how there's that big thing, that big lawsuit going on with the UFC, and how they compare um, fighter payouts as something like ten percent of total revenue or something like mm. this. Um, have you seen this? And then, but with the NFL or like NBA, other sports, it's meant to be fifty percent. Yeah, I've seen something about that. Yeah. Um, I bet you if you if you looked at like what percentage of prize money like they made, I bet you it's a bizem away because the the first place <laughs> just got put up to seventy. Um, 70k us so that's that first it? place for world strongest man yeah that's Holy first shit. place and that that <laughs> used to be 50 it used to be 50 for years
1: i was gonna actually um, ask what it what is the prize money for an event like that because you would think it's yeah. massive
2: you think so but, eh? but yeah that that's it so 70 70 thousand us dollars for um like if you if you look at the amount of effort that's required and training at that level and then like the food the um like supplements and everything yeah, like the food really is seventy thousand. very harsh <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and like then the um i know in any high level sport you have like a big impact on the body but especially so with strong with mm. guys trying to be so big move such heavy weights as quick as they can um yeah like in theory right so if you the goal is essentially if you're going to be one of those top guys you need to have good sponsors to look after you because yeah. realistically, hey, like let's say you dedicated your life to winning and um I don't know, like let's say you won three years in a row and won seventy grand each year, like and then you retire. <laughs> you know, it's why not have just worked a normal job? Um I know it's a thing of like just passion and wanting to do it, but it's not really it's not really a good payout, is it? Um <laughs> Well, you would would
0: probably do Arnold's and stuff as well, right? To try, because Arnold, would Arnold's pay well?
2: Um, So the Arnold's does pay, actually, I don't know what they paid this year. But yeah, in the past, they've been the highest paying one. Yeah. So I think they're, like, back from memory, when I was doing it, they were around 85. I think they might be 100. Rogue now is the biggest Yeah, I was going to ask Rogue. Yeah, so Mm. Rogue stepped it up. I think they were around, like, the 150 um to 180 yes. mark but with possibly some of it paid in crypto or something like this but um, <laughs> i do think rogue is a big like a big step up and would be great if it could keep like keep going mm. um but yeah we'll we'll see i guess so but you just the move also to the states exciting. and train for train for the invitational
1: yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i think it's also really exciting that um You know, you can go and watch um, the Rogue Invitational, the CrossFit, and the Strongman. And this year they had weightlifting too. Um, Was it this year or last year? I'm a little bit confused with my dates. Well, the last time it was the Rogue event. Yeah, I don't know if it was this year or the end of last year, but it was really um, nice to be able to see that they had weightlifting as well. Um, Obviously, the weightlifting wasn't – I I don't know if it had – as many um or it was broadcast as well um but they had a competition there um and then like you know the strongman and then with the crossfit so i think it makes it really exciting um for viewers to be able to see all of those sports which kind of gets categorized together as you know just like these hardcore strength sports it's brutal it's you know you push your body to the limits um And I think it's just super exciting how each one has their own uniqueness. Um, That would definitely be nice if they can do more events like that too.
2: Yeah. And Strongman has benefited so much off of CrossFit. So that's an example of the pro, like, big boys benefiting, right, from CrossFit, Mm -hmm. the fact that the Rogue Invitational exists. Um, But I have so many clients and have just met so many people, like, probably over the last five years who have gotten into Strongman from crossfit and they loved the lifting side of it they just hated the running and hated the (laughs) pull-ups um so we're like it's almost like though crossfit introduced them and then they found what they you know they probably wouldn't have gotten into strongman if it wasn't that because they would just see it as like oh it's just you know big lifting heavy i don't want to do that crazy kind of heavy lifting but because they've experienced that fun side of it in crossfit um yeah, it, it kind of takes away that um that hesitation to get on. So I think especially combining them together like that with the rogue invitational. Um and then yeah, if you've got weightlifting as well, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, Colm, what you were saying now was spot on. I mean, as much as a person can crot- criticize CrossFit, I mean they've also been super amazing for weightlifting and um like you know, we spoke about in our in our last podcast how you know, now weightlifting coaches can also get paid a lot more because it's a lot more recognized and there's a lot more people wanting to do weightlifting as well. Um, There's obviously also a lot more, like I can say shittier coaches out there because it's now, yeah. you know, everyone wants to make money from it, um, which is obviously the bad side. So you must obviously just do your homework before you go to a coach and want someone to coach you and not just, you know, get sucked in by someone who just did a like a weekend course for example but i remember also when i owned crossfit ecx back in south africa i had a lot of female athletes who came to me and said in the beginning they want to do the crossfit part but would i mind if they don't do the weightlifting part because they don't want to get bulky they don't want to um you know they don't want to lift like big weights and all of that and the funny thing was at the end of that year after my first year of owning my crossfit gym I had more female weightlifters who then switched over from CrossFit to weightlifting who competed um, in my team than what I had men. So it just shows you how you know CrossFit opened up their doors to show females that you know you can do weightlifting. You're not going to get bulky. Um, It's you know being bulky is very much genetics or if a person dopes, as you know. Um, So it's just it's nice to be able to see how many feminine women. Now go into these strength sports and even strongman I've got some of my friends who's gone into, um, well, I, I don't know if you would call it thing strong woman, um, but because of doing CrossFit. So they will do things yeah. like logs and um, those kind of things. And it's exciting. So, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's something after I played around with you back in New Zealand um, with the log and I think it was the axle bar. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I told James, I was like, maybe maybe it should be a sport that I should um, try and do. Is it and going I'm to be? Before, just before. Is it, um, I don't want to say it on here because then you'll hold it against me and be like, okay, now you've said it live to everyone. So now you have to do it. But it's definitely something that I will look into to do because now that, you know, I'm not hardcore weightlifter anymore and just, you know, competing at, you know, top level, international level, I can now try and do all of these things Um and just, you know, stay on the healthy side.
2: <laughs> I would still love to see you even just training for the log, even if you weren't going to go full strongman, I would just love to see what you could put up on the log. I think you need to coach me, Cole.
1: I think you need to, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's another reason for you to come to Austin, Texas, um, come coach yeah. me. You know, I can go, hopefully, go and break a world record. Um,
2: and yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can oh, do the world record. Hopefully, breakers. we can get over there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what Let's
2: do it. <laughs> I'll send do you. It. I'll send you some videos. I saw a few videos of the um, under sixty fours. A Few of them, uh, a couple of them, I saw actually split jerked. Uh, they had, uh, I think it was a log for it. So I'll send you the video anyway. I'll, yeah, I'll be I'd love that. i curious to see that. what you think of think of their technique. Yeah, for sure. Now Colm, you just your planted a seed.
1: <laughs>
2: what were Sorry, you gonna
1: say? No, I said col Colm just planted a seed. I don't know <laughs> if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but now I'm getting excited again.
2: <laughs> That's a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Come, who's your who's your money on it
2: for the finals of World's Strongest Man? That's a hard one. So if I if I could choose right, I would just pick Brian Shaw because it was his last world Strongest Man, and it would give mm-hmm. him five five world Strongest Mans. And he, like, when I got into it, he was one of, it was Zydrunas and Brian, right? Um, mm-hmm. Zydrunas was mm-hmm. always my favorite, but it would still, I feel like he's, you know, part of that old guard. I would love to see it, him do it one more time. I don't think he will, unfortunately. Um, I, if I had to put, so I think um, the Canadian guy, Mitchell Hooper, has looked phenomenal, in the qualifiers. I think he's a, a steady favorite, but I personally, I'm going to edge out Tom Stoltman and say Tom Stoltman number one again with the, just because of the finger fingers, he's like, he's like six foot eight or something, gives him a big advantage. Um, mm. Although now another, fa- it's honestly, it's hard to say because another one of the favorites came in pretty injured. And uh, so Mateusz kieler if that's how he says his name right, um but he was phenomenal at the monster dumbbell, so gigantic yeah. dumbbell overhead. He was gonna split up points quite a lot and he's not in it now. So there's potential between um like Brian could pretend, Brian's really good at dumbbell as well, so he could potentially gain a lot of points or knock um Tom and uh Mitch down, and then there's another guy, Ukrainian um Novikov, who is also yeah. a former winner, he's also fantastic at dumbbell. It's really hard to say if you put him on the spot, I'll say with those events, how they're looking in the heats. I'm going to say Tom Stoltman. And there's another, so a lot of people as well are writing off Tom because at the Arnold recently, he didn't have the best performance. Um, personally, I actually think it's a good thing for him for Worlds. Just looking at it, this is only my theory, so I could be (laughs) very well wrong, but he tends to peak really hard for Worlds and doesn't really seem to take the other comps as serious, which he gets quite a lot of flack for um, from fans, uh, you know, saying he takes the spot and whatnot from other guys who are going to go hard. But anyway, I actually see that as a good sign that he hasn't, whereas other guys who pushed really hard at Arnold's, Although it's been a couple months in between, still I think that it still has an effect compared to the guy who won it last year, so Tom Stoltman, who took it easier at Arnold's and now he's going hard for worlds. Hmm. Also has pretty decent events for him with the fingers in there. Yeah. <sighs> he, so he'll be my he'll be my pick. And then next week when we speak, we'll know who won and yeah. we can either say I was right
0: or wrong. If only we could bet on Strawman and we could get DraftKings as a sponsor on here. We could have Com do the, <laughs> the prediction breakdown show of all the strongman events. Well,
2: what they're such? trying to. Um, I don't know if you saw the the sale or like the combination of the UFC and the WWE. Mm. They're trying to get betting on the WWE like a main thing. So how do you surely, bet on a scripted can, show? That can't be legal. If, if you can bet on that, they're gonna. I bet they'll make it work. If you can bet on that, I'm sure, I'm sure they can make strongman work as well.
0: Oh my gosh! I was talking to a company in the. In the boxing space, and it was um they call it b a l y. So for us in New Zealand and stuff, it would be bally. Ballies. So it would be ballys. But here it's ballys. You know the casino, and they have yeah. this tech, and they were basically they were looking to do micro betting on boxing and, and MMA. So they had these boxing sensors. Oh, like f- so so you know how you can bet yeah you know how you can bet ball by ball in cricket. So you can bet like the next ball is it going to be over one run below one run a wicket whatever you can literally bet yeah. live. During the over, and they wanted to do the same within MMA and boxing. So
1: really? you'll be able
0: to bet like how many punches will be thrown in the next minute. You know what's going to happen in the next thirty seconds, yeah. basically, and just creaming off these micro bets. But they're under investigation because the Bally's, they would own every piece of technology. They would be the promoters of the fight. They would yeah. have the tech. They would have the gambling platform. So it's kind of like, are you going to fix it and like change yeah. things and stuff? So. I can imagine the same thing happens with the WWE and that thing. If they own the WWE, script the WWE, but then also release the odds, then they yeah. can manipulate what they want. So I, I don't see how that will go through. Sounds but... like Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But with it's a pretty algorithms. interesting space. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, hopefully one day you can bet on Strongman. That'd be awesome. Then we'll have a Strongman prediction show on here. But, but Mona, we've got the European Championships in weightlifting still going on it's been a long week and you've watched pretty much every single session and Mia's even gotten you up the sessions too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, like you said, it's still going on. I mean, one of the people that, or one of the athletes, we are super excited to see, um, uh, Oh my gosh, now I forgot his name. <laughs> I just heard, I just heard like mom brain. Um, We're talking Lusha. about the Bulgarian lifter, yeah, right? So, oh, go
0: ahead, you're talking about upcoming. No,
1: again. no, no, Lasha, yeah. So upcoming on Sunday, we have Lasha, obviously, and I think he's going to be battling it out against mm-hmm. an Armenian as well. So that's going to be exciting news also for next week's podcast. Um, but so far, some of the highlights of this uh, European Championships for me um, has been, The 49 kg class um, woman, they had an extremely, extremely strong category. Um, It was won by a Romanian girl weighing under 49 kgs, snatching 92, uh, clean and jerking 106 kilos. But something that also really stood out for me, and I wanted to mention this girl just because for me, I I saw it from the beginning. I was telling James that, you know, it's the first time I've ever seen such a strong Irish girl. Um, which was really exciting because, um, you know, just putting Ireland on on the map with their athletes, it's the first time ever that they've won a European medal, I think, with females. Um, I'm not quite sure if they've had a male before that one, but I know with females, it's the first time in history winning a European Championships and Europeans is a really, really big competition, especially in weightlifting. Um, And her name is Tam, I think you pronounce her same, Nguyen, Nguyen, but yeah, she won a bronze medal for Ireland. So yeah, so I wanted to mention her because I just think that was honestly phenomenal. She was a super strong athlete. One thing that also stood out for me is she's a mom. Um, So it shows you that you can be a mom. And I think she has two kids actually. And yeah, and I think she's 33, but to do something like that to me is really amazing. It's inspiring for moms out there. Um, and it just shows you that, you know, once you've had a baby, it doesn't mean that it's the end of your sporting career. Um, and then a few others that stood out for me, it was the 61 kg class. Um, it was won by a Georgian athlete, um, and then it was a very, very tight battle between this Georgian athlete. And I think the guy who came second was an Italian. Mia wants to obviously say <laughs> something too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that battle was insane. I mean, the men or a man weighing 61 kgs ended up snatching 136 kilograms. I mean, both of these guys, the Italian and the Georgian came out, um, You know, they were saying that the numbers they are going for is much higher than they've ever hit before. Um, you know, Mm. and and both of them ended up hitting way over their personal best, which if you know weightlifting, um, you know, even just hitting your personal best in competition is huge already. But to come out and break it by a massive number is obviously it's it's insane. And it was super exciting. And it also just shows you the the mental strength of these athletes because they knew that gold medal was on the line. So with that gold medal on the line, they, you know, they put it all out on the table. Every, they know they, they walked on there. They were confident. They knew they did the work. Um, and it was all just about believing on themso- in themselves and just going and then doing it at the end of the day. So that was super exciting. Um, and then if you guys can remember on last week's podcast, I spoke about this Bulgarian athlete. Um, his name is Carlos Nazar. He's in the 89-kilogram class. He lifted, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and like expected, he made a a U, or he he basically went out there, broke a world record. Um, It was a big show, and something that was really, um, it it was almost mind-blowing for me is, with his first clean and jerk, he came out, and he did a 205-kilogram clean and jerk in the 89 kg class. He then went in his second attempt and he did a 221 kilograms. Now, again, if you know weightlifting, if you have done a 205 or any number that you've done, I mean, jumping 10 kilograms is a huge number or even five kilograms is a huge number. Normally athletes will jump like two or three kilograms, especially at that level because they are already so close to their personal best. Um, But for him to come out and do a 221, Um, what is that 16 pages above um, what he did and above his his 205 and then going out and breaking (laughs) the senior world record Um, he already broke the junior world record in his snatch and then going out and breaking the senior world record um, in the clean and jerk with him being still a junior athlete himself being only 18 years um, from Bulgaria that's (laughs) <laughs> me obviously that thinks, that, yeah. thinks it's really amazing but that was, that's a crazy that jump insane. Eh? i mean that's a crazy <laughs> jump and this young man has obviously been on the scene now for i think about two years um that people have been talking about him mm-hmm. saying he's going to do big things um So go and follow him. Look at his journey. I mean, it's going to be super exciting. I think that he's already also qualified for the Olympics. I think they said he's lying second at the moment um, with his total. So I'm not quite sure who's lying first. I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it could be someone from Asia, but I guess we'll we'll find out. Um, And then also I wanted to mention the 71 kg class females that, as always, it was, quite impressive and Toma La um, for those of you that have followed weightlifting also for quite some time, Toma has probably been the number one athlete for a very long time. Um, you know, obviously Romania has run into troubles with, you know, doping and being tested positive and being banned from the Olympics, etc. cetera. Um, but Toma came out and won the Europeans for the fifth time in a row. Um, and then I just wanted to mention something that was, you know, with a little bit of uh, upset due to judging again. Um, so very similar to what we mentioned with kind of Mary Rogers um, decision. And I had people reaching out to me, think, asking me what is my thoughts on um, what happened with Sarah Davies. Um, so they ended up failing her second lift. Um, so she missed her first lift. She came out, did a second lift, looked perfect. It was 126 kg clean and jerk. She's from Great Britain for those of you that don't know and they failed her 126 they ended up replaying so the jury stepped in they said you know okay let's review the lift they watched the lift over and over again on um, replay to see why the judges might have failed this lift and like like as everyone that was watching probably thought okay the jury is going to overrule this making it a good lift they ended up drawing a circle around where her shoulder area is um And again, if you know weightlifting rules, shoulder movement is legal. It's elbow movement that is not legal. If you had an elbow movement, it would be called a press out. Um, So, yeah, they ended up uh, circling the shoulder and then calling it a press out and then failing her 126. Um, You know, normally when something like that happens, it's very few athletes come out and make their third attempt. And then at the end, you know, if you don't make your three lifts, you end up bombing and again, this was an Olympic qualification event, which is huge. But then Sarah did come out. She did make her third lift. You know, she kind of just showed everyone, you know, she can do it, made a thousand percent sure that she got that lift, um, which was, again, amazing to see. She got on the podium um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where the judges and the jury made a very poor call again. Um, and, you know. Looking from it from a spectator's side of uh, point of view, um, and also other athletes that reach out to me asking me what were my thoughts around this, I just think it's really bad, um, you know, that they could do this. And again, I don't know if it's political or what were their reasoning behind it, but it was clearly a good lift, but they ended up failing it for who knows what reason. <laughs>
2: yeah. Did you she say the shoulder bad. movement is legal?
1: Yes. So for example, if you snatch and you do like just this movement, that's absolutely yep. fine. Um, but it's when the elbow does that, that it's obviously a press out and you see a lot so, of, Oh, sorry. Yes. Colin.
2: I was just going to say, so do the judges, like if, could you see them circling her shoulders Yes. and like a replay or something? Yes. Do they have to justify that? Like, do they, are they accountable for their decisions? No. So
1: they, they said it's, <laughs> yeah so no. the short answer <laughs> no. short answer no um they called it a press out and circled the shoulder that's why everyone was confused because the cameras actually kind of went behind the scenes and um videoed how they were doing the replay so everyone could see and it was oh, just, is that not
2: normal procedure no, uh
1: no very very like, often no yeah you, very so you often, wouldn't
2: normally get to see the judges doing that
1: no, you would just no, get so them go, saying cool. no, lift. <laughs> Yeah. So that, so that was that was, I think, nice to see that you know they actually did that, and you could see you know what they were doing, which again, it made them look not so clever, if I could say. I yeah, don't want to sure. be, yeah, you know, I don't want to throw claims out there or anything, but you know, stuff like that is also what damages the sport, and like I said, it it confuses a lot of people who end up watching the sport and supporting these athletes, you know, I mean, these athletes are working their way up to the Olympics. This is an Olympic qualification event. If for example, Sarah missed lift one and two, and this was her third lift and they ended up failing it for that very reason. um, You know, that puts her back in her qualification. So, Mm. you know, they, they don't think about these things um, and they can't pick it. No one can keep them accountable accountable at the end of the day um so they can just do what they want and then the athletes end up suffering at the end of the day
2: yeah that's i really wish there's a way to keep them accountable at least um like i feel like you see this in any sport with a judge where it can be subjective um but especially that sounds really dodgy if they actually circled the shoulder which is legal are the judges former athletes do you know any of those ones
1: very few of them are um a lot of them um was involved in the sport somehow um and maybe they were a, like a family member or something um and there member. were some yeah family members um there are some that did come from you know doing weightlifting but not at a top level at all they just are weightlifting enthusiasts as you can say and you know like
2: do you- Would you have to do some kind of certification to be able to be a weightlifting judge at that? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: But again, um, you know, they can kind of also bring in and if, if you do the certifications, if they want you in there for political reasons or whatever, they'll pull you in.
0: (laughs) Oh, say more. Um, Say more.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) No, 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 no. It's just,
1: it's just one of those things where, um, it's, it's sad to see that, um, you know, stuff like that does happen and, you know, we still hope for the best and
0: well, being yeah, part of the IWF is, act. is lucrative. Correct. If you're, if you've worked mm. your way up, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons, I mean, we'll say it how it is. It's a gravy train. Everyone there is, is picking up, picking up some cash. I mean, to be honest, from looking from, well, myself from the outside in, I know mine is pretty much in, but looking from the outside in it's, more about the officials and the athletes, and that i have um, been part of organizations. Well, there's like a documentary before, about it, and you can. Oh, yeah, exactly about the corruption, which they supposedly. So it's, cleaned out, up. it's
1: out. Yeah, it's out. It's out. Yeah, it's out in the public. So.
0: But I mean, even take for example. I mean, like, whatever. I'm gonna might catch flack for it or whatever. Like, what was it the official who had the birthday <laughs> who had the cake on? Was this during the between snatch and clean and jerk or between sessions? Uh,
1: between snatch and clean and jerk.
0: Yeah, so between Snatch and clean and jerk of a Session, they had an official up on the platform with a cake being sung happy birthday, this and that, and it's like,
1: like no everything,
0: <laughs> honestly, everything is about, the, then they always have the officials up there before the events. This is like, man, like...
2: When you say an official, is that a judge or is that like an organizer?
1: Not an organizer. I, I think I, I he was just one of the, like with the officials they can oh, yeah. sometimes put you on different um different positions Most. as well so you could yeah. be like sometimes a judge sometimes an announcer um you know or sometimes at, the, at back. the back just yeah yeah but so yeah, i'm not quite that's sure like... what his position was but yeah that, that's but quite interesting
2: taking the spotlight from the athletes basically <laughs> but that's how yeah, it is, yeah.
1: she had someone sing happy birthday to him um it, it was it was quite a show
2: did he share <laughs> the birthday cake?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> Unfortunately, they didn't show that.
2: <laughs> That's the most important part. Well, the yeah. cake wasn't very yeah, big,
1: so I'm sure he ate it by himself.
2: have <laughs> um, a question not so related to the judging and that, but something I quickly switched back to Strongman for a second, but it leads into my question. So, yeah. With World Strongest Man, what I find a lot of people who like aren't directly involved with the pro level strongman really like World Strongest Man because a lot of the times the rookies. So for example, this year Matthew Ragg, first time, um, you know, his first World Strongest Man, and he's made finals, so it's kind of rare. And then we also had, you might be able to say this name better than I. Mona, so he's South African, Jaco, and then
1: Shunwinkel?
2: Is that a South African name? I definitely butchered that one.
1: So it will be, yeah, yeah. I was going to say not Jaco, but Yaku, so that would be confusing. Um, But did you say, how did you say the last name? (laughs) Um,
2: Shunwinkel.
1: Okay, then it could be like Shunwinkel or something. Shunwinkel. Normally okay. when it's in like Sorry, an S and a C8, yeah.
2: <laughs> Any, anyway, though, they, so he's from South Africa. They're first ever World Strongest Man, and they've made it through to the finals. And so certain fans like see it as a huge upset, right? And I see it similar to like everyone, anyone who knows Matt and NZ knows he's at this level. He's been this, like at this level for a long time. And I imagine it's the same with so it's not jacko right do you say yakko <laughs> yep. like so he, i'm guessing he's been at this level for yes. a while they yep. did um official <laughs> strongman games earlier in the year which was a it's kind of a lesser known comp but to make a comparison with the ufc so giants live and world's strongest man—it's tv first right so you have kind of anyone who's seen doing it is kind of immediately elevated in the fans eyes as being top level guys but in reality there's actually some really top level guys in other organizations so although in the ufc there's top level guys but then you've got like glory you've got back in the day you had pride um, affliction like all these other mm. uh, organizations that actually have real really high level guys and they can come through to the ufc and go really high up same with them strongman giants live and world's strongest man are the best well-known ones and you've got actually quite a lot of like there's even more who weren't at Worlds really strong guys no one's heard of who could go through, and and their rec- rookie year they've proved they're top ten in the world, they're like top ten world's strongest men right, but no one's really heard of them. I was curious with weightlifting and with the European Championships, does that sort of thing ever happen, or does it not because the qualification process to get there is a bit different? Because in world's strongest man it's kind of you can kind like kind of earn an invite, but at the same time, they will just invite who they want. Whereas I know, say for um, weightlifting, you have to actually like, it's a, a, a more strict qualification process, right? You Like you kind of just get invited because you had a big Instagram, or could you? Like, I'm uh, curious about that with weightlifting.
1: No, so you do have to make the qualification total. So I must say that's actually where they are quite good with um you know, getting people to these big events, um, because if you don't do the qualification total, you can't go. Um, but what I have seen, and I won't say which countries, um, but there are countries, for example, with athletes competing at a world championships level, and it's the athletes who can afford it. Those, were the, those will be the athletes who get sent Um, and the athletes who actually is ranked you know a lot higher than them or maybe even first in those countries um, who should be going but because financially um, you have to support yourself and um, you have to pay your way unfortunately then you can't go um, which is really bad and and at the end of the day you know if those athletes don't end up going to these events those are athletes who don't end up qualifying for you know the big events like even things like Commonwealth Games or the Olympic Games, et cetera.
2: So would you say, like, you could somewhat predict who's going to be, you know, like top five or whatever in each category? Would it, like, De- if you definitely. know most of the different, you could, are
1: you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was you, just curious. You very, it's very rarely that a new newcomer will come in and just all of a sudden steal the show. Um, normally, these athletes have been... Um, you know, number one or number two or whatever for quite some time, um, or even top yeah. five or even top 10, you'll find that the top 10 athletes are very much the same top 10 athletes year in and year out. Um, you know, I think in some of the categories, you know, for the last five, six, seven, maybe even eight years, it's been very much the same athletes and athletes who then would maybe overtake them, or if someone ends up retiring. Um, the one who then takes their place was very close to the top ten, for example.
2: Yeah. So, as a fan, do you find that um, like I know certain strongman fans like that randomness element to it that there could be an unknown come through. But then at the same time, I kind of like the idea. so I like both. I kind of like anything, but would say the weightlifting, I imagine you could get very invested in a certain athlete over the years. And they might, you might just watch them creep up, creep up. It, it, I feel like it would be very gratifying as a fan, like someone you've followed, and then you suddenly see them reach that next level. Because um, you could just map out how consistent they've been in the past, day and see.
1: Definitely. Um, um, I can actually yeah. give a good example. And I had my mom brain, I think it was last week, when I ended up saying Canada was part of the Europeans. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was like, this, like the dumbest thing I could have ever said. But in any case more Charon, who is from Canada, is actually one of those athletes who, you know, um, when I got my medal um, at the Commonwealth Games, she ended up taking gold in my category. And she was one of those athletes who back then was like up and coming and starting to lift really big weights and just came on the scene then. Um, and, you know, at the last Olympics, she ended up taking gold. But you could see as time went on she just became better and better and better she's just like one of those athletes who has come from you know built her way up and just reached the top level um and Canada is one of those countries that you know I love supporting because they've had also a lot of um they've had a lot of bad luck in the past where there's athletes who missed out uh, um when it came to winning Olympic medals that wasn't even on the podium and then like 10 years later or 12 years later they ended up getting gold because they froze the samples and then ended up retesting the samples of the athletes and I mean you end up you lose sponsors you lose funding from your country um, you lose so many opportunities so a clean country like that has definitely lost so much in terms of opportunities from those countries who do dope Um, and that's why it was so nice to see more come up and win that olympic medal um against these countries that has been tested positive
0: yeah, yeah. yeah i mean true. we need a we need draft to also create weightlifting betting so Mona can do the predictions for <laughs> weightlifting based on the odds there <laughs> their prediction show for strength sports but i think we'll yeah, wrap I can do up the, predict- the predict- show predict. The, yeah <laughs>
1: No, I was gonna say I can do the, the predictions, <laughs> and then you can you can do the betting because I know James loves betting on things.
0: <laughs> it's not it's not very legal here in the states, so I don't do any I don't do much betting. I wish, I, may, maybe in the future, maybe in the future when you guys start doing strongman and weightlifting <laughs> predictions for the show, but um, we'll we'll end the show there. Remember the lift big underground? It'll be in the description. It has access to all the training programs, mono and columns, weightlifting, and strongman programs, plus all the building muscle getting strong programs are in there, more being added as well. Again, please like, subscribe, um, share. All of that will help spread this show and this podcast. Um, if you're on Spotify or any of those podcast platforms, please give us a review and a rating as well. But as usual, we'll see you next week.